May we know the full blessings of Christ Jesus. May the fullness of God's blessing be known amongst us. May the love of Jesus enrich our lives. May we love others so that the world will know that we are your disciples. Send your Holy Spirit. Make us generous. Make us loving. Beyond our human ability. Amen. Amen. Um, So we are in the middle of talking about um, what God's called us to be as a church. What kind of church God is calling us to be. And we're using um, the ancient um, words of the creed as as the, um, the framework to think about this. That in the creed, which, um, which is repeating churches up and down uh, the, the country, this, the creed literally means, I believe. This is what we believe as a people. Uh, we declare that we believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. That we believe that the church is holy, Catholic, and apostolic. For the past two weeks, we've looked at the, what it means for a church to be holy. That a church uh, is all for Jesus that we don't get distracted by the idols of, of the world today, that we are sold out for Jesus. The only thing that we have of value to offer the world is Jesus. Yes, that may mean that we do some social groups. You know, this week on, on Thursday, there's a pub lunch. And that's good, and that's great. And that's, but we go and we gather as a group of people united in Jesus, not just as a, a social gathering. Everything we do is orientated around Jesus, even just about somehow pub lunches. Um, in a couple weeks' time, we talk about how we're an apostolic church, what it means to be a church that's sent out into the world, what it means to be a church that passes on our faith to the next generation, and how we do that well. This week and next week, we want to talk about how we are called to be a Catholic church. Now, this phrase Catholic has different meanings. I don't mean Roman Catholic. Okay, that's, a, that's a different denomination. But the word Catholic at its root means a universal church. That we understand the church doesn't stop at the boundaries of our wall or the boundaries of our parish or even the boundaries of how we worship together as a group of people. That the church is the collection of millions upon millions, perhaps even billions of Christians across the world. Across time. Across space. I um, am ordained, as you may have guessed, because I've got a collar on everything. Uh, When I was ordained, I was not ordained priest in the Church of England. The piece of, the scrolly type piece of paper that I've got says, Ben Lovell, ordained priest in the Church of God. I am part of the worldwide church, first of all. The Anglican bit, the Church of England bit, is a subset of that. So does that make sense, what, what the word Catholic means? That we're called to be a universal church. We're called to see ourselves as part of something bigger than just a collection of us that are sitting here. Bigger than our denomination, bigger than, bigger than our, our worship style, bigger than any other way that we can categorize our church. We're a part of something huge. 
And this is what we're going to explore using this passage from Romans as a bit of a, a springboard. Because this passage explores in quite practical details the way that the early church is interacting with itself as a growing group of people. The church has started with a, a, a few dozen, a dozen people meeting in an upper room, quickly expanding to, to a thousand, thousands of people being baptized. And at this stage, the church has become an expanding network of people who love Jesus, trust in his resurrection, and believe the Holy Spirit is working in them. See the Holy Spirit doing miraculous things in different cities around the world. And so something's changed. Something's changed from, from the Israelite religion that, that Jesus was born into to this new movement of God in the church. No longer is religion focused around a central place, around the temple. It's fo- focused on a person, Jesus Christ. And somehow, no longer is the church focused around the locality of the synagogue, but rather the church starts to see itself as lots of little gatherings that are part of a wider gathering. Nor, and this comes out in this passage, is now the church part of an ethnic grouping. Suddenly the barrier between Jews and Gentiles is broken down. The covenant promise of Abraham has come, come true, that God will, that through Abraham, there will be a blessing to all nations. This is how God's blessing the world, his covenant promise is, is revealed, that God's people work together. But that also means, and you see this wrestled out in the early church, both in the book of Acts and also all the, the, the other history of the church we've got, there's different opinions. Who would have thought it? People in church might have different opinions. We never meet about that. And how does the church deal with different people having different opinions? There's three things that Paul does in this passage. Um, he's desiring to journey to Rome. It's a bit half-hearted in this passage, actually. Um, in Romans 15, it's exploring how Paul sees the, the unity of the church. Firstly, Paul plans. Uh, in this, the translation that we had, I wasn't, I'm not very keen on this translation of Romans, actually. It says, uh, he hopes. But actually, the, the, the root of that word is that he is deliberate. It isn't some vague, oh, I hope I get to Rome sometimes. It's a, I have a hope that I will be in Rome. I have a plan to get to Rome. I have a plan to get from where I am, which is in the, in the Middle East, in, kind of in, in Israel and traveling between places. I hope to see you on my journey. That word hope there is very deliberate. Paul, has, Paul is intentional about meeting other Christians. He has a plan. He's going to go from where he is to Jerusalem, then he's going to Spain, and then he's going to, to Rome. He doesn't do it by accident. He's deliberate in working and bringing together churches. Again, we've got, I'm really struggling with this translation. I read, I read the passage first in the NIV Bible that I carry around, and then wrote half the sermon and then read it in what we're going to read today and it all changed. We may have to revisit that. Uh, it then says, uh, I'm going to Jerusalem in a ministry to the saints. The word ministry there means to serve. So um, literally the word we get the word deacon from, which is how we first ordain people. Uh, it means to wait on tables is the root of the word. 
He's, he, he's going there to serve the church in Jerusalem. So he's been to Macedonia and that other place that I can't really pronounce. He's collected some money and he's going to Jerusalem to serve the church in Jerusalem, to be servant-hearted towards them on behalf of the people of Macedonia. And he gives, it says he contributes in this, in, in this version, but he's going to be generous. He's going to facilitate the church he's giving to one another. So what's happening here? There's an interaction between local churches and the worldwide church. The church in Macedonia and Achaia and Jerusalem and Spain and Rome are all having to learn how to interact. And they're having to be deliberate about it, they're having to be servant-hearted about it, and they're having to be generous about it. All those three things in there. Let's start with the root, what we mean by church. Jesus uses the word church twice in the Gospels. Matthew 16 is the first time he uses it. He's gone to a place called Caesarea Philippi, and Peter says, you are the Messiah. Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah, and Jesus says, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail. And the disciples' correct response should have been, build your what? But, you know, church. Church, where you, you do the bread and wine thing that I do at the Last Supper. Oh, I've not done the Last Supper yet. Oh, the church where you go and you sing songs about my death and resurrection. Oh, I've not, I've not died and resurrected yet. Is it? That church where you, you pray for the Holy Spirit to meet you, because that's what happens at Pentecost. Oh, no, that's not happened yet. All the things that we use to define church aren't known when Jesus says the word church. Does that make sense? Jesus says, upon my rock I will build this church, and there is no way they could know what a church was going to look like. Jesus borrows a term, the term is ecclesia, and ecclesia has got lots of different meanings, but mostly it means it's a local gathering. Jesus says, upon this rock I'm going to build this local gathering of believers. And what will they do? They will stop the gates of hell. It then goes on and says, what happens in this, in this, in this ecclesia, this little gathering, will shape the very kingdom of God. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? A little gathering of me and you is going to shape the kingdom of God and stop the gates of hell. What we do in this locality has huge implications. Because we're not just one locality. When we lift our eyes to the wider church, we are reminded of the enormity of the work God has done in Christ Jesus. That God is reconciling all things to himself through Christ Jesus. Here, in Paul's act of trying to be a blessing to all these different churches, he's breaking down the Jew and Gentile divide in the early church. He's pledging, pledging to visit and bless the church in Spain and Rome. And he reminds us that the church is a complete blessing. That we are not just on our own. Let me use C.S. Lewis as an illustration. You sit in comfortably. Can I read you a story? Have you read, who's read the screw tape letters here? Yeah, a few hands. We must, not many. We need to get the screw tape letters on the, on the bookstore at the back. It's a great book. So the screw tape letters are a, a book written by C.S. Lewis from the perspective of a demon. From one demon to another demon. 
um, wrestling with what the church is and the fact that the, the demon's trying to look after this, this man who, who keeps going and doing stuff, and they, they discuss what's going on. And in letter two, they are very disappointed because the man's become a Christian, which is not what the demons are hoping for. And so Screwtape writes, my dear Wormwood, Wormwood is the, he's, a, he's his nephew, isn't it? His nephew. I note with grave displeasure that your patient has become a Christian. Do not indulge the hope that you have that you'll receive the usual penalties. Then he says, one of our great allies at present is the church itself. Do not misunderstand me. I do not mean the church as we see her spread out through all time and space and rooted in eternity, terrible as an army with banners. That, I confess, is a spectacle that makes our boldest tempters uneasy. But fortunately, that church is quite invisible to these humans. All your patient sees is the half-finished Gothic erection on the new building estate. When he goes inside, he sees the local grocer with a rather oily expression on his face, bustling up to offer him a shiny little book containing liturgy which neither of them understands. And one shabby little book containing corrupt texts of a number of religious lyrics, mostly bad, in small print. Probably the modern version of that is quite repetitive and put up on the screen at the wrong time. Not today, because Lucy's amazing. When he gets to his pew and looks around him, he sees that the selection of his neighbours, who he has tried to avoid up to now, you want to lean pretty heavily on those neighbours, make his mind flip to and fro between expression like the body of Christ and the actual faces in the pew next to him. Provided that any of these neighbours sings out of tune, me, or has boots that squeak, or double chins, or odd clothes, the patient will quite easily believe that their religion must therefore be somehow ridiculous. Look to your left and your right. Isn't it ridiculous that we are God's plan A? <laughs> the gates of hell will not prevail. By who? Oh, no, not, not you. <laughs> The kingdom of heaven will be shaped by what we do. Oh, no. Andrew Parrish is on the plan. <laughs> what hope do we have? The enemy, meaning God, because this is from the demon's perspective, takes this risk because he has a curious fantasy of making all these disgusting little human vermin into what he calls free, lovers and servants. Sons is the word he uses with his love of degrading the whole spiritual world by unnatural liaisons with these two-legged animals, desiring their freedom. He therefore refuses to carry them by their mere afflictions and habits to any of the goals which he sets before them. He leaves them to do it on their own. And here lies the opportunity. But also remember, here lies the danger. If once they get through this initial dryness successfully, they become much less dependent on emotion and therefore much harder to tempt. Paul supports the wider church. He serves them. 
he gives to them. Because he says, I will come in the full measure of blessing of Christ. Paul knows what the full measure of the blessing of Christ is because he supports and serves and is generous to the wider church. Because Paul, we see it in the rest of his writing, sees the church as Wormwood does, as this fearsome beast that stretches across time and space and is rooted in eternity. And that's what you and I are part of. We are not just oily grocers. We are part of a movement that is going to shape the whole universe and the whole world. In verse 5 of Romans 15, he says, May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another, in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Gospels for Jews and Gentiles alike. Welcome one another, therefore, as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. We serve the wider church. We believe ourselves not to be the enclave of God that's got it right. Because if we are, we're in deep trouble. But we believe ourselves to be part of a wider movement of hundreds of churches just in London, thousands of churches across this country, millions of churches possibly, I don't know if that's right, across the world, certainly across eternity, that shape and transform this world. We are God's plan A. And it starts by not looking around just ourselves, because if we do, we're going to be bitterly disappointed. But raising our eyes and looking further afield. Today, Cara, uh, our curate, and my wife, which is a strange combination of facts, is down at St. Augustine's Witten, ministering there, leading them, preaching to them, because they've not got a vicar at the moment. So we're serving them. I was there a few weeks ago, and you know what you come away with? You go, other Christians are quite nice. <laughs> there are people in other church buildings loving Jesus and worship him in ways that, if I'm honest, I found some of it quite strange <laughs> because they didn't do it right. <laughs> but suddenly, my eyes are lifted to see the church as something bigger. When we work together, we see the church as something bigger. When we do Alpha, we're going to do our day away in conjunction with at least four other churches. The number's constantly growing. Be reminded that actually maybe this move of God isn't limited by just you and I. Yesterday, I was running an event where we equipped children and youth leaders from across the area. We had about 70 of them. And I stood there with the bishop, and he was, the bishop and I were just like, isn't it awesome to see that there are so many people in church, he's just ministering to children and young people who give up their free time. We're trying to invest in the volunteers. That they give up their free time to, to, to one, to minister on a Sunday, and then come along on a Saturday, be trained and equipped. Although lots of the feedback sheets did say, can we not have such an early start? And the lesson is, don't, nit, nit, don't let Nit Neela meet the bishop. <laughs> My reputation is ruined. <laughs> he's lovely. Um, so this morning, this morning I was talking to Fiona about Mandimba, about how we're going to make sure that, that we support Mandimba. And my to-do list is to email the bishop of Nyasa. We remind ourselves that although the church in the West is on rocky ground at the moment, the church worldwide is flourishing. That our friends in Mandimba are educating children who wouldn't know an education 
that you're supporting and feeding people, that we are part of a movement that is huge. So what does this do? This widens our perspective. This is why it's important, because it reminds us that we are not just a group, that we are children of the living God. It reminds us that we are not defined by where we live and what church we decide to come to and what we decide to do with our Sunday mornings. But we are defined by the fact that we are loved by the same God who loves Padre Austin in Mandimba, who loves the church warden of Augustine, Augustine's Witten. We're no longer Jew or Gentile. We're no longer St. Mary's and All Saints or St. Mary's and St. Stephen's Twickenham. But we are children of the same God. We are adopted into God's family by Christ Jesus. As we lift our eyes from our locality to the worldwide church that is rooted in eternity, we are reminded that our hope is in a, in a saviour bigger than could possibly could be contained in this room. The church is a local gathering, but it's not defined by its locality. It's defined by our, our position in Christ Jesus. The power to transform the world that is heaped upon the church comes not from our social grouping. It doesn't come from the fact we decide to go to the Jolly Cubes on, thir- on Thursday at 12 noon. But it comes from our identity in Christ. God's plan to use the church to herald him as the hope of the world is not by being parochial, it's by seeing ourselves as part of the universal Catholic church that stretches throughout the world. Some of them may do things that are a bit different to us. We may not entirely agree on some, some areas of theology. But the world will know that we are disciples of Jesus. The world will know that Jesus loves the world by how we love one another and see ourselves in the greater position of the church. So we're going to be a Catholic church. We're going to be deliberate in doing that, as Paul was deliberate. We're going to serve other churches and not ask for things back. We'll go and and support our neighbours who are in vacancies and, and, and do things like that. We're going to be generous, as Paul was generous. As we have been blessed, we will bless churches in Mandimba, churches in Hanworth, churches in other places, wherever we can. We want to bless the wider church. Because in doing so, we are shaped and we are transformed. To not think that we are defined by the oily grocer next to us, but we are defined by the fact that we are called to be the fearsome beast that stretches across all the world and all eternity, that is going to stop the gates of hell from prevailing, that will shape and bring about the kingdom of God, because we are God's plan A. But it doesn't stop at our walls, doesn't stop at our worship style, doesn't stop at our parish boundaries. The church, the holy, Catholic and apostolic church of God is God's plan for the world. And I want to make sure that we are fully part of that. Does that sound good? Yes, Ben. Three people think it sounds good. (laughs) Right. Shall we stand and pray together? Father God, our hope is built on nothing less 
than Jesus Christ, our righteousness. Our hope is not built on us being here today. Our hope is not built on the fact that we are the best church in Hampton. We are. Our hope is not built on the songs that we've seen in tune or out. Our hope is built on Jesus Christ. Come, Holy Spirit. Reveal Christ's love to us. Lord, we confess when we've made it about our disagreements. We confess when we made our faith about us rather than you. Lord, may we be servants of others and may we be generous to others in order that we may know your love. Reveal to us how fearsome and wonderful your church is. It's a church rooted in us being children of God, not members of St. Mary's. Amen.